What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 20th year of marriage. So, yep, I'm in the thick of it, and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. This episode is brought to you by The Adventure of Fatherhood, helping men discover their powerful fatherhood role and build their fatherhood skills. The role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, find joy and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Matt Ortiz, and we had an incredible conversation. I mean, digging into the importance of cultivating imagination. I was blown away by his conversation on imagination and then how to be tender with daughters while also teaching them how strong they are. Enjoy this incredible conversation and meeting my friend, Matt. All right, Matt, what's up, bro? Welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling awesome, man. It's my first podcast, bro. It feels great to be here. Love it. Love it. Oh, man. So good. All right. So my brother, Paul, he said, you got to have Matt on the podcast. You've got to. So, I mean, one of the greatest compliments is for us to hear, here's a dad who is a savage kick ass, right? Regardless of if it's about the podcast or not, it's that he saw something in you that he goes, this is a great father. Why do you think he said that about you? Well, if I had to guess, man, he sees the amount of time that I just put in with the kids, you know, the things I'm doing with them, putting them in uncomfortable situations, trying to build their strength from inside out. And most importantly, just the things that we do as a family, you know, we do them together. We look out for each other. I have six kids, man, my oldest being 23 and my youngest being seven. So if we're out doing a cold challenge, we got the little ones right with us. We bring them with us. They're all game to do it. So we just kind of make it a family thing, a family affair to deal with uncomfortableness all together and grow from it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you more about that. That's pretty rad. So let me ask a couple questions so people understand who I'm talking to right now. How old do you find yourself today? I'm 45 years old. 45. How many years you've been married? Man, I've been married. I just had my 15 year anniversary. I've been with my wife for 19 years. We've been married for, yeah, 15 years. Okay, sick, dude. Congratulations. And then six kiddos. So the oldest is 23, the youngest is seven. The youngest is seven. And the oldest is the only boy. So I have five daughters, one boy. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Okay. Six, six. All right. So I've got five kids, still got a little room to grow, I guess, but I have four daughters and a son. So rocking similar, but my son is one of our twins and they're 14. They're in the middle, but love it. Okay. So cool. So I definitely want to bring up this whole daughter situation as well, because you got a brood of daughters yourself. Okay. And then where does your family reside? Where do you guys live? So we're from a suburb of Illinois in St. Charles, St. Charles, Illinois. It's probably about 40 minutes west of Chicago. We're tucked back here on four acres of land, and <laughs> we're, try- we're trying to live the country life as much as we can. Nice. And how long you been living that country life? We moved out here in 2014. Okay, so it's been a minute. So it's, yeah. it's working then. It's working. 
That's rad. Okay, cool. What is it that you do for a living? My listeners know I love and hate this question because most men use it to size each other up. The reason why I ask it is because if I am a CEO with 500 employees or I am a manager at Home Depot, I still have a 16-year-old daughter, right, who's going to start driving. I still have to change diapers. You know, so fatherhood is a level playing field. So I think sometimes it's helpful to see like, hey, I can still do this even though maybe my job, my career is different than this guy. So with that being said, what is it you do for a living? So what I do, man, I'm a carpenter by trade. I got into the union back in 1999 as a carpenter. And 2005, I said, forget it, man. I'm going to work for myself. And I started my own company, incorporated in 2006, and still doing that to this day. We also have like a property group where we buy and flip properties, rehab them, rent them out. So it's kind of been like that whole construction field that I've stayed in for the past almost yeah, 25 years. Long time, long time. Good, man. Sweet. All right. When you think about fatherhood, how would you describe the role of the father? The role of a father needs to be someone who's going to be a leader, lead by example, not just say, do as I say, not as I do. Be a leader and lead by example. Someone who's going to be that bridge and be that shoulder to cry on in time of need. Someone that your daughters or your sons can open up to and come to you with any problem they have. Love it. So I want to ask a couple questions here. First is, what does it mean to lead? And that's doing by example. So I know a lot of situations I've seen throughout the past, dads will tell their kids, don't drink, don't drink. But they're the guys who drink a six to 12 pack a night. The kids grow up seeing that. And there has to be conversations about that too, time and place, when to do it, when not to. But I think if you're going to preach, you got to act on what you're talking about. Fantastic. So lead by example. Okay, so then that example you talk about, how and who is setting that tone or standard for Matt, right? So if you're going to lead by example, that means you've set a standard for your own life that you're working towards, striving towards. How do you come up with that standard so that your kids have some example to follow? Man, a lot of that standard stemmed from my childhood, to be honest. Harder situation, but I saw how I was raised and what they were doing, and I kind of did the opposite. I always wanted more. I always strive for more, and that kind of like built me to who I am today and made me hungry. You hear stories about kids who have it all, and it's hard to like get them motivated. See, I didn't have it all. I had parents that loved me, but the situation developed me to where I had to go out there and cut my own path and make my own future to what it is today. And that just came from not having. And when you don't have your backs against the wall, you got to put up a shut up. Mm-hmm. So with that mindset of you are who you are today because of some struggle growing up, like there was love, but there was some sort of struggle. How do you ensure that your kids 30 years from now, when they're sitting here having a conversation about family standard, et cetera, that they're not like, uh, yeah, I just had it all. So I didn't have that same struggle, right? Because they're not going to have your story. They're going to have a loving dad who is there. So how do you ensure that they have a fight in them to either cut their own path or build upon the foundation that you have created for them? That's a good question, man, because my two oldest kids, my son is 23, my daughter is 21. Me and my wife, we didn't have everything as kids. So with our first two, it's kind of like we gave them everything. You know, we felt like, oh, we didn't have it. Now we have the opportunity to give them the best. So we did that. And then we started to notice, like, hey, they're not appreciative. They're just breaking their toys and they're just throwing them away and expecting new ones. And there was really no, like, appreciation for things. So, we, you know, we pivoted and we switched our mindset and we corrected that with the next four. 
So from now, ever since then, we make them earn it. Chores, spreading mulch throughout the property, taking care of your room, just doing the right things, man. Being a pack together and everybody's got to pitch in and help. Nothing's just given. It's got to be earned the way I had to do it. So we kind of instilled that within them at a young age, the last four. So the, the over two were probably about 12 and 10 when that the whole switch got turned upside down for them. But they adjusted well. And how did well. that work? Okay, so they adjusted well. So they're on a path right now that is taking ownership and responsibility. Yes, sir. Let's unpack this for a second, because I think it's something that I kind of wrestle with too. And language is such an interesting thing, but you said they got to earn it. Let's talk about earning it versus stewarding it well. I've been thinking about this, but I haven't talked about this with anybody. But it's like, okay, my son, do I want him to feel like he has to earn what we have as a family, or do I want him to like have ownership of say his room, let's just say his room and go, Hey, you got to earn your, cause I could go aggro, right? I could be like, I'm taking your bed out of here until you can clean your shit or whatever. Right. I could go kind of crazy. I'm sure I'm taking your door off. Right. That's one I remember hearing as a teenager, like my parents took my door off my room or whatever. So like on one hand, it's like, okay, do you have to earn this or how do I teach you to steward it? Everything I have is already yours, right? Like you have everything, but then stewarding it versus this feeling of like, I got to earn it. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts when I say those two words? And again, it's like the motivation and meaning behind what it is you and I want to do to like teach our children to be warrior savages and lead well. But what do you think about the earn versus steward? So when you say steward, you mean like where it's just they have access to these things and they can use them? Good question. So Stuart is, I want to, let's just say the bedroom, like I've given you this room because I love you and you're my child and I want you to have everything. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to earn my love, but you need to own and take responsibility for it. So steward it well, right? Like like, maintain maintain it, right? So then what we're trying to avoid is entitlement, right? Right. So that's interesting. Yeah, go on. I want to hear what you think. Very interesting. So I think the whole earning thing could be a spectrum, right? Like you said, it could take all your stuff out of your room and you got to do various tasks to get each thing back. Well, that's not going to happen because that's like, I I do have a heart too, right? So they have their stuff and they know that they have the bed, they have the TV, they got the PlayStation, they got their toys, whatever, what age they are, their wrestling shoes, whatever it is, right? Their clothes that they always want. So earning it, I just think for us, me and my wife, it's like, you got to maintain your grades. You got to give 100% effort. Whatever sport you do, you're going to give 100% effort. If you're going to play the piano, we're putting the work in. You got to be dedicated and committed. So as long as we see that dedication and commitment throughout whatever you're doing, then they earned it. So if they see me out on a Saturday working on the property, chopping wood or doing whatever, you know, come help your dad for an hour, put 20 minutes of reading in a day, do a little bit extra. So you don't have to like be a mind slave, keep sharpening your pencil. And I know like for us, especially with the gaming and the social media to this day, my 16 year old just got a phone at 14. She doesn't have any social media yet. (laughs) And we required her like, you know, her grades were slipping a little bit. So we wanted to see extra work. And she had to bring that up, which she did. And she achieved it. Same thing with the sports they're in. They want all this extra stuff, these private lessons, but you got to show us more than just us paying for the private. Like if you're really dedicated and you want to do something, I better see you, whether it's basketball in the driveway, just shooting jump shots. If it's going to be wrestling, I better see stance in motion for three, three minute rounds, whatever it is. I mean, you can use your imagination on the sport. But if you really want something, you're going to be doing whatever you can 
to make sure you're going to be the best you can on your own time without me pushing. Yeah, no, I dig it. And I think that coming to the effort. So we talk about earning something or stewardship, maybe stuck on a word, but then you brought in effort and that you want 100% effort. And so then it comes down to their heart, their passion behind why am I putting effort in? And now if effort's like, I got to do this for a couple of days to make dad happy and pay for this, that's eventually going to fall away. That's not going to work. Then it comes down to their motivation right? Like, why are you putting this effort in? Cause like, I'll go shoot hoops for, you know, throw up a hundred shots to get you off my back. But then if I do it for months and years, then all of a sudden that's the effort you and I are looking for. And that to me is like one earning your right to call yourself, whatever it is you're putting your time and energy into, and then stewarding your opportunity. Well, is that you're putting in the effort based on your ability as a human, right? Because that's what you said, too, is it's like, it's not based on your sister, or your brother, it's based on what are you capable of? And are you pushing yourself to be a better version of yourself? Right. So pretty much we're giving them a blueprint. So even if they have to read 20 minutes a day, that's not asking much in a 24 hour period. No, nope. we're not saying you have to be a mathematician, but you have to know basic math. So we want you to excel in certain areas. Now, not everybody's a mathematician or a scientist. We get that. But still put in the extra work just to stay a little bit on top and know your limits. Right. Get to your wall and then see if you could push past it. Yeah. And as a parent, you know, I like to help them give them the opportunities, especially the ones I didn't have as far as motivation and drive and opening their eyes up to like how much is out there give them the opportunity to grab at it. And I think that's part of the entitlement is too. If you just take your kids on vacation everywhere and give them everything, it's like, who are they? What are they going to become? Where's their passion lie? Yeah. Hey, I want to dig into a question for you because it's something that I'm struggling with. And so I'd love to hear if you have had any breakthroughs in this. You've mentioned a couple of times, like read 20 minutes a day. So my kids, I, I will say that I have them read a book a month prior to our family meeting. And then at the family meeting, they have to give a little short book report on what they've read. Now, if they finish the book, I give them 60 bucks. 10, they could do whatever they want with, and then 50 into a savings account that is either for business, a car, or college. So I'm kind of saving for myself to not, you know, to help, you know, <laughs> yeah. so. But then if they don't, so I just implemented this. If they don't finish the book, they got to pay me 10 bucks. Okay. Love it. So that's sort of working. Okay. This last family meeting two weeks ago, two kids had to pay me 10 bucks because they read like half the book. Here's the other piece to this. I have tried this summer to implement this every morning, read for 10 minutes before you leave the house, make your bed and something else. But then it's like a kid goes to summer camp and then we have a family over at our house for a whole week. So in your world, how has it worked well to create this read for 20 minutes a day habit with your kids, especially during like, I guess both summertime and then also school when they have homework, et cetera. So hit me with it. So I think what we do is like that 24-hour day, you're sleeping for hopefully eight hours of it. You can get that 20 minutes in anywhere. If it's 10 minutes in the morning, just make sure you hit that after five o'clock when you get back from practice or after the pool party. Like there's always going to be time, and when we're, especially when we're talking about minutes. And especially if they're reading a book they do like, it might be more than 20 minutes. It might be 30, but it's a minimum of 20. So you got to get it in where you can fit it in. If we're driving to the Six Flags Great America, bring the book with you. Yep. Okay. So then if they don't do it, what happens? Well, if they don't do it, next time they ask for this, that, and the other, or if they can go to a sleepover, it's like, well, hey, you didn't come through on the deal that we have. And that's just setting them up for later in life too. Yep. And then how do they communicate to you that they did do the 20 minute reading that day? 
I'm gone through a majority of the day during the day. So Mama Bear puts out a timer. She'll set it in the morning and then everybody goes to their reading. And then if they didn't hit it, she'll say, hey, the timer's done. And everybody's got to come up and say, here we go. Either we did or we didn't do it. And sometimes, like you said, life gets in the way. There's a family over for a week. A sleepover happened. That time banks itself. And you got to come back and sometimes do 40 minutes. <laughs> okay, okay, I dig it. Yes, okay, so I think the two takeaways with that is like, one, be the dad who implements that because your kids aren't going to say, oh my God, dad, thank you so much for making me do this. They're probably never going to say that except when they're 35 years old and they're a millionaire because they read all these books as teenagers. But now they're not going to. So I think sometimes as a dad, I'll get stuck on, but dad, I really, all my friends are leaving right now. And like, I feel bad. I'm like, why do I care about your happiness right now in this moment? That's an interesting default sometimes to fall into. I want to say the other piece of that is acknowledging that it's not like Matt's family's all waking up at 3.45 a.m. every morning and hitting a thousand burpees and reading for 20 (laughs) minutes. I think it's important for us to go, hey, life is life. Life is messy. And if it's important to you for your kids to learn, you've got to fight for it. So a couple things, guys, like you're capable of doing this. Okay, so going back for a moment, what does it mean to lead in your home? Because most men would love to fall asleep at night going, I led my family well which is different from, because I think a lot of us, what that means is they listen to everything I said, and I'm the king of this castle in sort of an egotistical way compared to I crush today as a man, and I'm the kind of man that my family looks at with respect. We want that second one. So with that, you know, I asked you, what does it mean to lead? What is the standard of excellence for you? You said growing up kind of set a tone for you, but how have you decided what the standards are for Matt so that your family has somebody to follow? Like, what are some of those standards? Well, how did I obtain those standards? I think, man, jujitsu is a big part of that, a big part of my life. Wrestling throughout junior high and high school. And transitioning to jujitsu and MMA has definitely helped because you're constantly under pressure. You're constantly in uncomfortable situations. And once you bite that pill of that life, it's like you want to attract and do more hard things. You want to push your limits mentally and physically all the time, even emotionally. And that really was the standard that built me to who I am today. And that's why, you know, I have my son wrestle and he wrestles in college right now. Nice. My daughters do Muay Thai jujitsu as well. And that's pretty much what shaped me, man. Okay. This is super interesting because I think sometimes we listen to a lot of podcasts right now. There's a ton of content and like CrossFit's popular and jujitsu's popular. And I mean, hunting, like name all these things. And so we look at those as skills, right? These are skills, but there's this underlying skill, whether it's jujitsu or CrossFit or whatever you want to name, the skill is discipline a skill. So when you think about skills that you want to teach your kids, what are those underlying skills you want them to know, such as like discipline, push your limits. You said be able to handle stuff that's uncomfortable, be able to handle pressure. What are some of those skills you think every dad should teach their kid? It doesn't necessarily matter the medium, but what is those skills those kids need to leave your home knowing? That's going to be commitment and consistency. Oh, beautiful, man. Hard work and dedication, right? It all starts with commitment. Once you can be committed throughout your consistency is where you're going to grow and flourish. Everything that you didn't think you were good at, if you stay consistent long enough, you're going to see how good you can become. And that's so contagious because once you get a taste of success, you want to go out and grab more success. It can start out with a sport 
but that can translate into your marriage, your relationships, your business. So I think for young kids, commitment is everything. Man, dude, that's so powerful. So, you know, we talked about some words and then I asked you what skills and commitment. I mean, look around our world. It, would you say that people are committed? Dude, no, not at all. Not at all. Unfortunately, no. No. Are people consistent? No, they are not. And in our soul, man, we long for stability. We want to belong to something. We want to be able to say I'm a part of this thing. And for example, a home, right? Like as a man, you get to build a home. That's your castle, bro. If you commit to that and you're consistent with that, when your kids walk through the door, the weight of the world can fall off and they can just be at peace in your home. But that only comes from you being committed and being consistent. And then dude, the third C that you said was contagious. That word contagious, I kind of thought of it in two ways. It's like, that's leadership. Not only for you, because you're starting to experience success, but contagious is like, dude, everybody around me is infected. Yeah. So if that's the case, men listening right now, is everyone in your house infected with chaos, messy, uncertainty of what's happening? Or are they infected by your commitment and consistency to show up as a badass every single day, like loving, sacrificial servant? Man, nothing's perfect in the world, but I'll tell you what, they're definitely committed and contagious. You know, I just got this cold plunge uh, about two weeks ago. And my 15 or 16 year old daughter, you know, she got in there for the first time. It was like 41 degrees. And I was sitting right next to her, coaching her through her breath work, right? And the first day was a minute and a half. And then the second day, she's like, Dad, I'm going to hit three minutes. And I'm like, nice. And instead of saying, no, it's too cold. I don't want to do it or give me excuses. She jumped back in it. We did the breath work together and she got three minutes. I think it was actually 3.30, but we'll call it three. But that's contagious, right? She wanted it. She wanted to do more. She wanted to push her limits. So I think that's a testament of how it's been in this house. And I'm proud of it. Because they're watching you push your limits. Yes. Yes. They see a dad who works all day, comes home, especially at my age. I still work out like I'm 30. I still teach jujitsu. I'm still on the mats and I'm still working around the house. They see me never stop. They don't see a dad just come home, lay on the couch and preach from a couch. I'm preaching from a position like what I'm doing. I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. So it's not even your words, it's your actions. Have you always been that way or was there a shifting point for you? I mean, I know you kind of said you grew up and you said, I wanted something different. So I've been going after it. But, you know, would you say you've been on this trajectory the last, you know, you said you're 45. So say 20, you're an adult for 25 years. Have you been on this trajectory or was there any like pivotal moments that shifted for you? I think me having my first kid at 23, you know, when everybody yeah, else was yeah. partying, I was working 40 hours a week, sometimes 80 hours a week, not making the greatest money, just enough to where I remember just times to get my paycheck. And at the time you buy a CD, right? And I didn't know if I bought <laughs> yeah. that CD, man, I was going to be screwed. You know, if I spent an extra 25 bucks, it makes you hungry. So what at 23 years old was that conviction inside of you that said, I'm going to put my family first. I'm going to put my kid first versus getting distracted. What was that conviction that you had? I think that conviction was I wanted to always give my kids more than what I had. And that just stems again from my childhood. It was up to me to pave the path. I could have chose the other path. And I wasn't perfect the whole time, but I stuck it out. And here we are today. I think that conviction just came from maybe who I am, who my parents are. They did the best with what they had. Was it right all the time? No, but they still pushed through. 
Yeah. So let me ask this. Do you feel like you missed out on something as a kid? Yeah, we didn't have the money to put me in all the cool sports and do all the good things. And, you know, my dad was a savage. He was an alcoholic, man. He was a wild man. And it's hard to say, like, he wasn't the guy to push you and open your eyes to do better. He was the guy that taught me, like, how to survive in the streets, how to not take shit, not be a victim. So that was a great piece that he gave me, which I think you need. Sometimes it's better to have street smarts than book smarts. So I blended the two for my kids. Dig it. Yes. Love it. All right. I'm going to ask you a question about fatherhood. You've been a dad for a while, six kids. What have you learned about yourself through being a dad? I mean, marriage definitely reveals how selfish I can be. Having employees can reveal when I'm operating from ego versus really caring about people. But your kids bring a different light because they're half you. So there's things I see in my kid that I'm like, oh, that's so sick. That's just like me. And then there's other things I go, oh, my gosh, that sucks that you are that way because I wrestle with me being that way. So what's something that you have learned about yourself through your role as a father? I think I learned, I got in touch with my soft side. You uh, know, having five especially daughters. them daughters, bro. Yeah, Heck man. Yeah. And it was something that they break my heart. Like I see them and even if I see them in their bad moments, like you said, you know, to what you said, I see myself in them and it's kind of like coming full circle. But I think just getting in touch with a softer side of me, not having to be so hard. They broke me down and they gave me more humility than pride. Yes. Man, it's so good because one, looking at you, right? I mean, we can hear it in your voice. You're a badass, a go-getter, all that. And finding the, it's not even a balance. It's being okay, being in tune. So talk to me about this. As a father who is a go-getter, it's not about balance. It's about being in tune with my daughter that I want to be tender with her, but I also want to call her up to be in the ice bath for three and a half minutes. You know what I mean? I think sometimes we think we got to be one or the other. But as a real father, king, you got to be in tune with both. So what's your thoughts around kind of being in tune with how to show up for your daughter, depending on the circumstance? I think it comes down to reading their emotions, knowing where they're at emotionally, how to game plan off of that. If I see she might be a little mentally about to break or emotional, I won't hit her so hard. I'll be more of the shoulder to cry on at that moment and then maybe transition into getting more strict or logical on her, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think reading body language, reading their emotions has definitely helped get to the root of the problem that they might not know is the root or I'm helping them figure it out. Yeah. So how do you not default in the moment? Like when guys like us have a thousand things going on. And so sometimes I could see a problem where my daughter's 16 coming to me crying about her friend. It's like, oh my gosh, again, you know what I mean? So how do you set aside that I have a solution for you right now? And or I'm dealing with a million dollar contract that is about to fall through the cracks. And you're like, this thing isn't important. However, you're willing to come talk to me about it. So it is important. How do you kind of operate in this high level and come down to what matters to your daughter's heart? That's a good one, man. That's tough because it's, I mean, being a business owner, it never ends, right? You're all your heads, you're spinning at nighttime. I think if I see it's that important and that comes down to reading them again, if it's something that can't be put aside, then I'll deal with it right then and there. But if something that I know that can wait maybe a couple hours or a next day, Maybe I'll drop a little wisdom on her just to let it water in her head for a little bit before we actually let her think about it, before we actually dive deep into it the next day or four hours later. 
Okay, I love this. So how do you ensure that? Because it's true. Like, I might not be able to handle, like if my kid texts me right now, I'm not able to pause this and go help them. I mean, depending on what it was, right? Right. But but how do you make sure that, because as soon as you and I get off this, we're going to have 10 emails, a couple voicemails, whatever, that I go back and I remember, hey, this, like, how are you keeping it at the forefront of your mind? What matters to your family? Sometimes I do have a lot of windshield time driving from job to job. So that's when like my head really starts processing everything from the day before or the week before something will just pop in my head. Even if I'm sitting in the cold plunge, it might be that three minutes just gives me, man, I gotta go talk to her right now before I forget. I don't want to let her feel like I forgot about her or him. Yes. Okay. So this is critical. You just real easy said windshield time. If you're a dad, I'm kind of saying this to people listening. If you're a dad and you don't have that, you just go from thing to thing. I can't tell. It is so critical that we carve out time to think. That is so important and have some questions like, Hey, what's important to my wife right now? What's important to Brooklyn, Violet, Brody, like put your family's name, like what's important to them and then stop and listen. Now, whatever you believe, you got to listen to what's inside of you. Listen to the universe, listen to God, because if you pause, if you really think that you're the leader of your home, like Matt's talking about, he's pausing in the car to not just listen to another podcast, listen to more music, be on the phone for work, but pausing to think. I think we miss, dude. Like, what do you think? What do you think about that? How important is thinking time for a dude who wants to be a leader in his home? Man, thinking time, and I know I'm not the best at it, but I think it's crucial. Whether that's windshield time, going to the bathroom on the toilet, disconnecting from your phone mm. is huge. Yes. And especially like in the fall and the summer, I'll take advantage of like starting fires, sitting in front of a fire. Oh, love it's it. really yeah. a good place for me to think. Man, I'll go like down some rabbit holes too. Just like thinking and stuff comes to fruition. So I try to really try to cut out time for that. And to be honest, I like being alone. I'm comfortable being alone. Not to where I'm isolated for nine months, but like I can be alone for half a day, a couple hours, whatever it is. I like getting in my head because that's where I can start breaking stuff down and like fixing stuff. And I'm always like circling and crazy. I can never stop to fix anything. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, guys, I think one of the biggest takeaways from this conversation is figure out how once a week you can have once a week or create a habit like where you can have thinking time. I was just thinking about it. I love to go sit outside when the family's going to bed and just flipping on like we have one of those outdoor fire pits and just sit there for a minute or go land under the stars for 10 minutes or go on a walk before bed or something. But if you could create some space for like 15 to 30 minutes and without an expectation, just like go and see what happens. I think it could be life changing for dudes. Maybe a deprivation thing too, man. That's always a good one. Okay. I haven't done that, but I've heard about it. What is that? So that's where you're floating in like, let's say 10 inches of salt water in a black cone or a black cylinder, pitch black, and you're just floating around in there. You lose track of all space and time because you're floating in water in a dark room, pitch black. Such a trip, dude. Paulie's all about that. I haven't done it yet. He's invited me a few times. We haven't done it. Love it. Okay. I'm going to ask my next question because we could talk forever. The podcast is Fatherhood Field Notes and you've opened up your field notes, sharing your life with us. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And it could be applied to anything, but it's like, I was made to be a warrior, so I need to fight. Okay. So what am I going and rebelling against? What am I fighting against? But not just to be destructive, 
What do I want to create out of that? So that could be applied to something small, like I'm rebelling against having my phone at the dinner table to create great family moments or whatever, to something on a different scale. So when you hear rebel and create, what are you rebelling against in the season? And what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? So a big thing for me and the family for the past like four years have been preaching about getting connected with nature more putting down the technology, getting grounded, listen to the birds, listen to the sounds at night, cutting that time out, like rebel against what society tells you with the TV and the phones and the social media, which we all use. It's a necessary evil, right? But rebel against that a little bit and get more in tune with your primal side. Mm. What does it mean, your primal side? Just being out in nature, being in front of a fire, being standing outside in the rain, walking barefoot in the grass, playing with your dog, Fetch just being connected somewhere. And what will that create? So if I'm rebelling against, you know, like every night I have to watch my show before I go to bed and one night a week, I'm whatever, or one morning a week or whatever. What is that that you're creating? An imagination, man. And I'll give you a a good one. Wow. That's a good answer. Last Sunday, I'm outside and I'm thinking to myself, you know, the girls are inside. I'm going to go grab them out here. So I had three kids at home. I set the chairs up in the grass, you know, I'm sitting down and I'm like, Hey, you see that out there? And they're like, no, what is it? You know, and I'm like, look between those two trees and pan all the way up. And we started picking out shapes and clouds. What do you see in that cloud? Their imagination started to go. Now their heads are spinning in all 360 degrees and like looking at clouds and picking out shapes. So I think that imagination helps you translate into everything you do. A wise man once told me, he's like, Matt, I've had at least six, seven different businesses. And you know why I'm successful to this day is because I have an imagination. I was always able to create a new opportunity for myself and not be just blocked in by what blinders I have on the side and like, I can't do anymore. I'm just a carpenter. I can't, I can't figure out how to sell cars. I'm, this is who I am. Have an imagination. And I think that starts by being connected to nature. Why does it start with nature? Because I think all the answers are there. The colors, the sounds, the feels, the textures, the smells. Our noses are most important. Sight, sound, or taste, and smell, right? Smell is like one of the most important ones. Dude, man, I would never have guessed you would have given the answer of imagination. It's just not a word I use very often or that is used, but imagination is like the birthing place of creation, It's thinking time we were talking about earlier, but not thinking time for let me solve a problem or think through a problem I already have. It's like you're setting aside the problems when you're in nature, you know, you're kind of reminded how small you are. So it's like a lot of the shit that I'm worried about doesn't matter when I'm staring at something so massive. So then you come to this idea of imagination and dude, we have to create space for our kids to be imaginative. Yes. Yes. So I wrote this down under, because I'm writing in here, is think for yourself. Like imagination is thinking for yourself, not in a selfish way, right? But if I'm on my phone all the time, or I'm watching a show all the time, or I'm doing work somebody told me to do, I'm thinking about something else somebody put in my mind. I'm a slave, which we got to get stuff done. But to think for yourself. So talk to me about that. How important is it for you to be able to think for yourself? Thinking for yourself is how you make everything happen for yourself. I mean, your decision process stems from your thoughts and your beliefs, which translate into your feelings and your actions and your results. Yeah, but how often are people deciding what their thoughts and beliefs are? I don't think often, man. I think there's a lot of stuff pushed on us to think for us and to give us the answers. To me, that's mind slave shit, man. 
Okay, so I've heard you say mind slave. I haven't heard that term before. Is that part of something that you picked up or where'd you come up with this and what does it mean? Well, I think just everything that bombards us, whether it be, and it's good and bad. There's good stuff out. There's great podcasts. There's bad podcasts. I mean, the news, I stay away from the news completely. It's completely toxic. But the stuff they feed you, down to the pharmaceuticals, down to the stuff we're watching, especially our kids and movies and music. And I think that just alters a different perspective that's not real. I don't think they want us in touch with reality or nature. Yeah. Interesting. So what is real? So these two things are interesting concepts because it's like you said, we have TV, we watch shows, but balancing what is real and then coming down to how as a family, are we different, right? So I've been talking to my kids like, hey, we're the shouts, like we're different, not better than, but we're different. And it's based on the way that we choose to live our life. So when you think about that from the perspective of like your family, how do you have those conversations with your kids of like, what's the why behind why we're different? Because it's not about being more successful or better than our neighbor, but what's your guys's why? The reason you're going after all this stuff, what is the why? So, you know, like I grew up going to church, been a big part of my life. There's been moments where I've been proud of that. There's been moments where I'm not proud of that. I just turned 40. So in some ways, like I feel like I'm becoming like more confident in the beliefs that I have and why I have them. And so if I'm going to go back to like, I believe that I'm here to steward the earth, to take care of it, to love people, that I'm not an accident. So like, as I've been talking to my kids about this, you know, on one hand, I'd love to be, what was that movie, dude? Captain Fantastic. You ever see that movie? No, no, I haven't. Oh, dude. It's like him and his kids like live in the woods and it's like, they're totally disconnected from the world a hundred percent. So on one hand, like I'd love to go be a hundred percent disconnected from the world, but then I don't know that that's realistic because how am I salt and light? to the world around me. You know what I mean? But then to what level am I like, Hey dad, everybody watches this show. Hey dad, everybody's going to see this movie and finding that balance in between the two of, okay, how are we different? Cause I don't want to be defined by what I don't do. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like growing up in the church, a lot of it's like, I don't cuss, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do these things. And that's what makes me salt and light into the earth, which is not the case. So I guess the why I've been leaning into with my kids is helping them see who they are. Like you're not here by accident. You're here to be grateful for the life you've been given, but it not just be about you. It's about family connection, belonging, and also having eyes to see those who don't know who they are. They don't belong. They don't feel a part of something and inviting them in. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes sense because I was thinking about that while you were talking. Like I was a very prideful person for a long time, which is protects your ego, right? Yeah, Pride yeah for sure. Ego. So I think that like my why is I want to give my kids more humility than pride. And I want to break that down by just getting in touch with, and that's why I brought up the more of the primal, your primal state. I think there's so much more humility in nature than there is anywhere else. And I think, like you said, respecting what you have and those who don't have and appreciating. And like you said, stewarding, maintaining your character, maintaining your family's name and legacy and maintaining your family's teachings to be able to teach that to your kids. And I hope that lasts legacy. 
Yes. I love it, man. Because from your tone, which is coming from humility, it's not this, I want to protect the family name because we're trying to like dominate people, but we're trying to be in a position where we're inspiring others to be able to have this family life that we also have. Because it's an opportunity for everybody. Takes a freaking ton of work, takes a ton of work, but dude, nothing matters more than family. And that connection and that belonging. Surrounding yourself with people who are like you, because it really takes a community to raise a family, right? My kids aren't always going to be with me. They're going to be with their coaches, their mentors, their teachers. And I think even close friends of mine, family. I always surround myself with people who are like me or think like me. And not like everybody's exactly like me. Everybody has their opinions, their different tastes or whatever. But the philosophy, I think that's important because it takes a community to raise good kids. Yeah, man, I think that's really critical because it's okay to have people in your life who have differences of opinions on things. 100%. Yeah, but like you said, the philosophy of are we aligned? And okay, so what would be like the top two or three things that you would say, I want alignment in these areas if I'm going to have people come into my fold, into my community, like exposure. I'm going to expose myself and my kids, but we would need to be aligned on these things. What would that be? (laughs) Faith, family, fitness, good family values, some type of fitness to stay healthy, whether it's, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and your faith. It doesn't have to be Christianity. It could be, I have some good friends that are Muslim. I mean, everybody, you know, it's just have something that's bigger than us, us. Because when you think it's just, it's only you out there, it's not. Whoever your God is. Yeah, and I think that comes back to the thing that you brought up of humility versus pride. Because at the end of the day, I think that when you're putting your faith into something, the core ideal behind it isn't to save yourself. It's not about saving myself as much as it is about not making this life about me. I'm a part of something bigger than me. It's not about just as Ned comfortable, as Ned happy, which I'm still like, we're all still working through not being selfish. And I think at the end of the day, that's what faith is like. I'm not God. Yes. I'm not God. And so I love that you said, you know, humility is what you're after versus pride used to be prideful. And that's like, I want to be others focused, not self-focused, but I am going to invest a lot in myself, like you're investing a lot in yourself, so that there's something people want to follow that I'm inspiring. I definitely think that you have to do what's good for you and your family first and foremost. If it doesn't build you individually or your family, like I'm talking as a father, but as an individual, if it doesn't serve you and build you up, there's no reason to stay around a toxic situation. And part of that imagination process comes into seeing those things happen before they happen. I don't want them to get stuck in a situation, whether it be with a boyfriend, a marriage, a job, a friendship, that's toxic. I want to give them the tools to kind of see, have foresight and all that, have that imagination to read that. Yeah. So before I ask my last question here, what would you say is toxic? What does it mean if somebody's listening? Like, Because sometimes we can go like, well, that's just how my friend is, or that's just what they say, or that's just how our family does it. Not like our family, but maybe like the aunts and uncles, right? And, and it's actually kind of toxic for you to be around. And, and it might be a time for you to separate yourself from something. What would you say is toxic that you don't want influencing your family? Well, misery loves company, right? So <laughs> you said a lot of things that hit home for me as far as like family members. And I think toxic is always being negative. So if, if my kid brings an idea to you and you just say, oh, that's not going to work. You can't do that. Why waste your time with that? That's toxic. Yes. Um, 
never building you up, but always knocking you down. I mean, listen, that's the seven deadly sins, jealousy, envy. (laughs) If you're around that, that's toxic to you. And I want them to see that before it happens too. Because jealousy is bad. Do people really have your best interests at heart, the people you're around? Or they work in an angle against you to bring you down. Yes. Dude, just as you're saying that, I mean, if you kind of evaluate the sphere of people you're spending life with, the question that I just kind of that came to me as you're so well explaining that is, do I want the best for you? And do you want the best for me? I'm not here because I need something from Matt. Matt's not here because he needs something from me. But we both want to show up like coachable, teachable, willing to offer what we might have to the tribe versus like always looking out for ourselves or always bringing people down around us because we're not satisfied with our mediocre life. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. Matt. Okay. Before I ask this last question, I do just want to jump into being a dad of five daughters for a moment. We talked a bit about the tenderness versus, you know, like paying attention to their emotions. Oh my gosh. Huge, huge nugget. <laughs> Anything else in your mind as you have five daughters? Because I do talk to men who it's a little easier sometimes in their mind to understand how to lead a boy, but how to lead a daughter. Any thoughts around that? Like any wisdom you would share with dudes who are fathers to daughters? So I think the best thing for me is being vulnerable enough for them to open up to you. With my sister, me and my dad played the hard role. So she was scared to bring a boyfriend around. She hid a lot of stuff. And I saw that. And I didn't Uh, want my daughters to hide what they were doing from me. Yes. Me and my wife, we want to be vulnerable enough to where they can come to us with their issues. And it's like, it's funny because even my 13-year-old, she'll tell me about boys she thinks that are cute. And like some guys I know that they can't handle that. Like, don't talk to me about that. I don't want to hear it. But like, we'll play a skit in our heads. She's like, dad, you know... Real quick story. So one of the boys she does Muay Thai with, she thinks it's cute. And it's innocent. It's pressing. She's like, Dad, maybe you could talk to his dad and he can come over and do a private lesson with you at the house. And like, maybe he has to use the washroom and I could be standing in the kitchen and just tell him hi, you know? Like, <laughs> so we're, we're laying out this skit so she can like see this little boy at 13. It's cool. And some guys, we've told the story with friends before and they were like, oh, I can't deal with that. I don't want to know about it. But I think that's mm. important that they can come to you with those things. So be vulnerable with them. Yes. Okay. So like literally, bro, gave me chills when you kind of played the dad who says, I can't deal with those things. Dads, if you tell your 13 year old daughter, she says something to you and you're like, I can't hear that. I can't deal with those things. You just roadblocked so much connection between your daughter, bro. Facts. Suck it up. Do I want my daughter kissing some boy or whatever? No, but if I lose my shit and I'm a weirdo about it, then I've just roadblocked her from the most important man in her life until she gets married because she's going to find someone else to talk about those things with. And what advice is she going to get? It's not the advice you'd give. That's for sure. 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, dude. Okay. So men, even though you might be uncomfortable suck it up. You're a grown ass man. And this is your role. So I love that dude. So getting vulnerable, you had the foresight to see that your sister hid stuff. So dads, don't be the man that makes it where your daughter needs to hide things from you. So man, I had an experience when my daughter first went to like a summer camp and she was, I don't know, 12 or 13 or something like that. And dude, I had this dad sense, bro. I picked her up from the camp and I saw her in the, I'm looking at her in the rear mirror and I'm like, dude, something's going on. And I asked her and I asked her and she's like, nope, 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 nope. And uh, then I told my wife, there's something, there's something. And she's like, you're pressing it, dude. Like there's nothing. 
there was something, bro. And I got, <laughs> so I told her, but here's the thing is I said, if you tell me, I am not going to be upset about this because all I actually care about is that we're honest with each other. Yes. The reality is, is you're going to make mistakes. I don't want you to like, it makes me sad, but it doesn't make me feel any different about you. So then she's like, all right, dad, we snuck out of the cabins and we played spin the bottle and I kissed the boy or whatever, <laughs> but I didn't freak out. And it, dude, it set such a tone for where we're at today that she knows that if there's something serious that I won't freak out, doesn't change that there'll be like consequences or whatever, but my reaction will be a response of love, which could come in the form of discipline, but not in this like wild man who becomes untrusting, Right. you know, like I can't trust this guy. Yeah. The untrusting part is huge. So dude, when you say that, I mean, dads have such an opportunity to be, and you, you said another word I wanted to bring up, which I thought was just so beautiful. At the very beginning, I asked you about leading your daughters and you said sometimes be a shoulder to cry on. And I circled this other word you said, it was bridge. You said be a bridge. And I think that those moments that your daughter feels on the outside because she knows her actions may not align with the family instead of making her feel like an outcast to shame her to hopefully she won't do that again. But oh my gosh, I could cry. But you build a bridge for her to be able to her heart to come back over doesn't change consequences, right? But you build this bridge of love, dude, like, oh my God, bro, that is uh, such an opportunity you and I have for the hearts of our daughters, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, talk about bringing the emotions out. I get emotional every time I talk about my kids. But the words you're replaying, it's, it's tough, man. It's not easy being a dad. And there's always going to be issues. And just because we give the love and we're vulnerable, it's like you said best, Ned. It's like there's still consequences. But being that bridge and being that shoulder to cry on hopefully gets you through an issue that's even greater later on in life. By how we dealt with it in their adolescence, man, that big problem that'll arise when they're adults might not be as bad. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And something just to throw out there for dads, because I think dads sometimes struggle with like the whole consequence thing is sometimes I step back and go, was the natural consequence to this situation enough? And a lot of times it's yes. And so I don't even have to give another consequence. It's not letting them off the hook, but sometimes the natural consequence is just already enough. I don't have to feel like I've got to create more chaos to make them feel bad. A lot of times they already feel bad because they know they're out of alignment with the family. And there's a natural consequence that they're going to have to deal with, whether it be grades or sports or whatever. And sometimes that's enough. Yeah. Or even like becoming a teenager and getting a little lippy here and there, <laughs> testing it out. You got you to gotta show them who's boss. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I'll be honest, man. Like as strong as we are as fathers, I got to give a shout out to my wife too. Oh, Without dude. her, there's no way I'd be able to do it. That is the truth, bro. That is the truth. And there's a statement behind every great man is a great woman or something like that. But as I've been unfolding more like what it means to be married and become one unit with my wife. It's like, dude, we're side by side, bro. Like I'm not me without her. She's not her without me. Like we're a team. And I just get that from you. I've done like 300 podcasts and, and we focus on fatherhood, but for you to just acknowledge and bring up your wife, I just think just is showing how in tune you are with like family and what matters. So kudos to you for that, bro. Anything I missed before I ask my last question, anything that's sitting inside you that you're like, dude, I, I wish you would have talked about this. No, I think you hit everything on the head, man. All right. Last question. Legacy question. Imagine you are at the end of your life. Okay. Never asked it this way. You're at the end of your life. 
you're in your home, on your property, in your bed, and you know it's time's coming. And there's people surrounding you. Your kids are there. Their spouses are there. You got grandkids. It's noisy because there's a lot of joy in the kids. What do you see? Like, what do you see as you look around that room in the faces of those that mean the most to you? I would hope that I see smiles and not tears. I want them to be thankful for the time because, you know, listen, man, the clock's ticking away on all of us. And I want them to be comfortable with that too. You know, we all have an expiration date. And just because it's the end doesn't mean it's the end spiritually, right? I'm always going to be there. I love that, man. I love that. Nothing matters more than family. And that's clear in your day-to-day actions. Matt, thank you for taking time to talk about family life, fatherhood with me. Thank you for your honesty, vulnerability, transparency. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep loving your family well, and then keep letting the world just watch your story unfold because I know it's inspirational to everybody around you. And that brother, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. Much gratitude to you. And Paul, thank you. And uh, I wish you guys the best, man. All right, bro. Until next time. All right, take care, bud. Wow, what a powerful conversation. I so enjoyed meeting Matt. I enjoy like what a warrior he is, but at the same time, how he is in tune with his daughters and his son and even bringing up his wife at the end, really going all in on life, on building a life of excellence, which he would say, you know, isn't perfect, but it's about this pursuit of continuously knowing who you are and developing that human being and becoming and being the man that those around you want to follow while also being vulnerable and honest and humble when we make mistakes. A couple of things that I'm going to be implementing is really digging into that thinking time cultivating and creating that and doing it in nature where I'm opening up opportunity for myself and those that have been placed in my care, my kiddos, to use our imagination. That's a skill, using our imagination. And then just to bring up skills, you know, he dropped those three C's, commitment, consistency, which is contagious. Matt, crushed it, powerful, love it, dude. And dads that are listening, how incredible. We are all out there loving and serving our families, gaining skills so that we can show up well for them. And how encouraging, like our kids, the world is doom and gloom in a lot of ways, but there's men out there showing up fighting for what matters most. Which leads me to this. We got to know who we are. The world would look and feel different if men showed up in their identity to love, serve, and guide, provide, and protect in their homes. And that's why I launched and started Adventure of Fatherhood. So go make sure to check out www.adventureoffatherhood.com. You can go grab what I have now is the father-son children's book. It's a great way to show a dad who he is, to connect you to your son. And then soon we'll be launching the father-daughter one. Got some pretty exciting things coming for that. And then over the next few months, you're going to see some online courses to help fathers discover how powerful and important their role is and start to sharpen some of those fatherhood skills. All right. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. All right, my friends, I look forward to hanging out with you next time. Mm -hmm.